more than the clothes we wear, style is about the way we move through the world. On this episode of Beyond Style Matters, I talk with Indigenous fashion and style writer Christian Allaire. It's a long way from the powwows of his native Nipissing First Nation Reserve to the offices of Vogue magazine in New York City, but it's a journey Christian Allaire made with great aplomb. The Ojibwe writer, editor, and stylist first fell in love with fashion at a young age, admiring the exquisite traditional regalia of his people, poring over fashion glossies, and lapping up the fair on fashion television. Chris decided to pursue a degree in fashion journalism at Ryerson, and upon graduating in 2014, he moved to the Big Apple to make his big dreams come true. A few short years later, after paying his dues at various publications, Chris landed a contributor's position at Vogue. Now, almost three years into his coveted gig, with his finger on the pulse of the cultural zeitgeist, Chris has become a champion for Indigenous designers and a savvy voice for sartorial celebration and diversity. Last year, he authored a book for young people called The Power of Style, which explores cultural expression and transformation via clothing, and his insights into a wide range of topics from red carpet dressing and celebrity beauty to art, film, and design are always fresh and thought-provoking. Quite simply, Christian Allaire is the kind of talent that gives one hope for fashion's future. Christian Allaire, welcome to this episode of Beyond Style Matters. I'm just so happy to connect with you because you, you've become a bit of a, a, a folk hero to uh, so many of us who are, you know, rooting for many of the ideals that you represent and that you stand for. And uh, you really have a voice on a very major platform and we applaud that constantly. So, hi. I'm so honored to be here with such a fashion legend as yourself. So, the pleasure is all mine. Uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't realize that you were a big fan of fashion television growing up until mm. I uh, saw you on the recent Canada Reads and kind of made that connection and um, how proud I was to think that uh, a show like ours would have influenced a kid growing up on a reserve uh, on Lake mm. Nipissing. Wow. <laughs> oh, that show raised me. Like that was my one of my few escapes I got to really immerse myself into like the high fashion world. Um, like that, you literally raised me. So I don't want to fangirl <laughs> on you and make it weird, but like, yeah, that show was very important to me. <laughs> wow. Okay. What kind of kid were you growing up, uh, you know, at home with the, you had siblings, right? You had a sister. Yes. I had a sister. I was always more the artsy one. Um, my sister is very intelligent, very book smart. I would say I'm a bit more chaotic and more of the artsy one. And even when I was a kid, like I would host fashion shows and like make my parents watch, watch me wear these ridiculous clothes. Um, <laughs> I just was always kind of obsessed with like celebrity fashion. And I don't really know where it came from. But yeah, I was always like that as a kid. And your mom encouraged you or discouraged? I mean, what, what was that like? Because the parental support is so important as a kid. Oh, yeah. No, they were so supportive. Like, you know, even in high school, I was a big theater kid. And they just, they, yeah, they just wanted me to be passionate about something, like mm -hmm. to have ambition to do something in this world. But what it was, 
didn't really matter. They were very supportive in that way. My sister was really into sports, so they let her do that thing, and I was more of the artsy. <laughs> so many kids that uh, you know grow up um, with those strong feelings about fashion of designers, especially that I've spoken to, um, have told me that they felt like outsiders when they were growing mm. up, like because mm. they didn't feel maybe accepted by their peers. So they, it was a kind of a lonely existence. I mean, was it like that for you or were you just a pretty happy kid? You know, as I was became really obsessed with fashion and I was, you know, reading Vogue, watching fashion television, um, I did start to notice that I wasn't really seeing Indigenous culture represented, you know, I mean, I grew up around going to powwows and seeing my aunts and my mom make beautiful things. And so I knew that our culture was really ingrained with fashion and it was we have really special fashion. But then I was looking to these pages and I wasn't seeing any of that. So it definitely did make me feel like an outsider. And in fact, I went through a whole period where I was kind of embarrassed of being Indigenous and I would try to hide it. Um, and I would want to wear only what was trendy and only what I saw in Vogue. But um, it took me a long while to realize like, no, my culture is actually really special and it shouldn't matter if it's represented or not, I should embrace it. And it took me a while to get there, but um, I think it's something, representation matters more than we think. When did you realize this? When did you you know, have this epiphany that you know, it was an important, mm. important mm. part of culture? I think it was probably in college when I started meeting a lot of other people in fashion and, and indigenous people working in fashion. Um, you know, seeing them like show up to these fashion week events in like their head to toe regalia and like they don't even care, they're just being fabulous. And I was like, oh God, maybe I should be more like proud of my culture. Um, <laughs> like I would go to these events and I didn't own one piece of like beaded jewelry. I, I was like, this feels wrong. <laughs> so it's kind of like an aha moment, just seeing other, my peers, um, my Indigenous peers kind of inspired me to, you know, rock Native fashion too. How fabulous. I mean, I remember, you know, when I started covering fashion back in the 80s, there were precious few Indigenous designers. I mean, I remember mm. a, a woman by the name of Dorothy Grant, who was mm -hmm. doing beautiful, you know, I think it was Haida inspired, you know, from the West mm -hmm. Coast. But, but just very very few and for you know a country that was really right based on you know indigenous culture from the get-go like how could that be mm -hmm. um so how did you go about researching who these other indigenous designers were i mean it's like a cliche thing but really social media has made it now impossible to ignore these designers the thing is these designers have always been around um we're you know in, indigenous culture is all about the artisans and so we've been making clothes forever but with the uh, you know instagram twitter tiktok now it's like they're finally getting a huge following they deserve and it's now impossible to ignore that they're out there so people have become much more aware and and me you know 5 years ago i didn't have a huge knowledge of you know all the indigenous designers out there and i've learned so much just by scrolling on instagram and things popping up it's the easiest thing in the world to find them yeah. and i think as much as we complain about social media, that's the beauty of it too, you know? Mm -hmm, absolutely. I remember sitting uh, at fashion shows in Paris. I remember 
one in particular that Galliano did. I don't think it was for Dior. I think maybe it was for his own label. It's a long time mm. ago. And seeing all the, you know, I mean, I guess that's, uh, I don't know, misappropriation, like seeing mm. all these incredibly crafted garments, that, like the detailing was amazing, but it like, it just spoke to me as a, hey, that that looks like it could have been from Canada, <laughs> but like, why are we seeing it here in Paris and who really did end up making it? And I mean, I can imagine mm. the level of infuriation, um, mm. you know, from from the true makers and the true originators mm. of these gorgeous mm -hmm. designs. Um, yeah, yeah. Appropriation has been a, a big thing, especially for the larger fashion houses, um, you know, taking motifs you know, whether it's a Navajo print or Ojibwe beadwork, um, and then just appropriating it and not collaborating with a native artist. That's been a huge issue, but I think the industry is finally changing for the better. I think of like a recent collab I just saw with Gabriella Hurst, and she worked with Navajo textile artist Naomi Glasses, and she did all of their embroidery, and, and they named her, and they made her a part of the collab, and that was just such a beautiful thing to see. Mm for once getting that mm. credit just for people to uh to, to understand who aren't familiar with your story of how you know a kid who you know grew up you know where you grew up ends up okay I know you went to Ryerson to study journalism mm -hmm. but from there all of a sudden <laughs> you're in New York you know working for a fashion industry publication uh and then mm on your way to Vogue magazine, it's it just sounds like the fairy tale of the century. You obviously have a great drive, great passion, and a kind of fearlessness to pursue your dreams. And, and you mm. were a big dreamer, you know, which is always <laughs> a wonderful thing to see, especially in the world of fashion. How, um, how difficult was it for you to make that leap from studying fashion uh, or studying journalism at Ryerson to all of a sudden landing in the Big Apple. I was just talking to my mom yesterday about this and she she was joking that I've always had a one track mind and like I won't stop until I get something. And I think that's been kind of true for my career. I knew when I was studying at Ryerson that I wanted to move to New York. I just knew that was my end goal. I didn't know how I was gonna get there. But I was like, I'm going to get there. Um, and so I interned at Flair magazine when that was still a thing for like two, three years, just, you know, hoping that'll get me somewhere. And through that, I met um, a, a really good friend of mine, Moshe, who then was working at Footwear News in New York. And when I graduated, she needed an assistant. So she just brought me over and it was kind of like this fate moment yeah, for wow. me. And she really got my, my break there. So after you, you know, honed your chops uh, mm. there, you know, Vogue magazine, mm -hmm. which is like, ah, you know, the, the, <laughs> it, it seems like the, the top of the pyramid. How did you uh, manage a position there? Yeah, um, it was kind of the same deal. You know, once I got working in New York, then my 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 ambition changed. I was like, well, I need to work in Vogue. Like if I'm going to work in fashion in New York, I want to go to the top. <laughs> and so again, didn't know how I was going to get there, but there, but then a position opened up and I kind of moved. It was just, again, like hard work mixed with making really good connections and relationships. Talent also, you know, figures. Mm. <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and you're a very good writer, I must say. <laughs> but you. I think something that is also key um, to success and especially to that whole idea of standing out in a crowd is having a point of view, mm. um, you know, and you, my dear, definitely have a point of view as we touched on earlier, talking about uh, the potential power of fashion, mm. how it can empower, transform, and just how important it is. 
is that something that you consciously try to keep running through your pieces that that thread because it mm. certainly is a, a wonderful awareness that it seems that you're trying to uh, impart upon others I've always hated the idea that fashion is like superficial or that it's like an empty industry. Um, I don't believe in that. I think why I love fashion, like I said before, is that it can tell a story and, you know, seeing the garments my aunts made as a kid, like I knew they were carrying on a tradition and each ribbon has a story and each color is there for a purpose. And so I've seen firsthand how fashion can be more than just aesthetics. And so when it comes to me working in fashion, writing about it, I'm drawn to designers who take that same approach. So I really just want to spotlight people who are using clothing as a vessel to, you know, express who they are, celebrate their culture, um, make a statement, maybe it's a political statement. I just know that what we wear has much more power than we think it does. Um, and it's such a visual medium that it invites you in to learn about something. And so that's just what I, I strive to show in my work um, and to dispel that idea that fashion is like just pretty things. Cause it's not, it's more than that. You uh, wrote a, a very important book for young people or well, any people of any age could enjoy it, I'm sure. But The Power of Style, which mm. is uh, very much about that. How did that opportunity come about? That was cool. Um, at the time, I, to be honest, I was kind of like unemployed at the time. <laughs> um, I didn't really have much going on, but I got this wonderful opportunity from Anik Press, who I had been featured in one of their books a few years back. And they were really wanting to do a story about sort of Indigenous fashion. And so they kind of approached me just with that in mind. But as we started talking, I thought it was really important to do a book for youth of all different cultures to be able to see how what they wear can be a celebration of their culture and community. Um, I, I felt like it would be a disservice just to do Indigenous culture. I feel like this happens in every culture. So that was a really fun book and I actually learned a lot myself. So I'm just as grateful for it. <laughs> Every great conversation needs a pause, so this is a perfect time to talk to you about our sponsor, TSC, who, without their support, this podcast wouldn't be possible. Now, as you might know, I've covered the catwalks of Paris, Milan, New York, and London. And so why have I partnered with a retailer like TSC, today's shopping choice? Well, I believe that great fashion should be accessible to everyone, and TSC.ca is home to some wonderful Canadian brands and designers like Kim Newport Mimran, Brian Bailey, Kayla Kay, Ron White, and Hilary McMillan. And of course, TSE offers so much more than mere fashion. Discover quality Canadian jewellery and accessories from Pico, Brass and Unity, and I. You can find more Canadian designers and brands in the CAFA store at tse.ca slash CAFA. And let's all shop better together. You uh, certainly have written um, about many things uh, fashion related uh, and, and culture related, and you've written a lot about the red carpet and the celebrities mm. on the red mm. carpet and the dazzle of that whole scene. Um, mm -hmm. What do you <laughs> what do you think of the red carpet in 2022? <laughs> I mean, how important <laughs> is that kind of uh, display to us? Yeah, I mean, I 
you know, two years of the pandemic later, how long has it been? Yeah, two years. I think celebrities are really having fun with red carpet right now, um, more than ever. We're seeing a lot more risks and maybe they're not always successful, but I think that's been a really great joy to watch is kind of this idea of fun again. I think red carpets for a while have been a little expected and a lot, you know, like glitzy gowns and suits, glitzy gowns and suits. But now we're seeing people take more risks and think outside of the box. And I, I've been loving watching it. And I think the upcoming Met Gala, which I can't say much about, will be very exciting to watch. <laughs> uh, are you are you working on it now? Are you somehow involved? Yeah, Vogue pretty much co-hosts the Met yeah. Gala and we get a lot of insider intel. Uh, so it's going to be really a really fun show, I think. A red carpet rather. Yeah. Well, it's wonderful that people are really, you know, getting that and celebrating that uh, self-expression through fashion, which was it, it it was definitely a thing, um, you know, back in the early days of the red carpet. And I absolutely agree with you. It kind of got a little stayed, boring mm-hmm. for a while there. So that's yeah, always a good now, thing. What, yeah. what about this whole idea of judge, judging people? And that's something that, you know, <laughs> we, we talk about this love-hate relationship that we have with social media and especially, you know, with, with platforms like Instagram. So much of it is about superficial judgment right off the bat mm-hmm. and when it comes mm-hmm. to red carpet dressing you know it's everyone's comparing you know and what do you think of this and what do you think of that everyone's trashing everybody and mm-hmm. <laughs> is this good for the soul <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what do you say to that I, I think I mean part of the fun in fashion is is it is so subjective so you know, you look at a red carpet and you might love something and your friend's gonna hate it. Um, I think that is the fun, is that discussion. However, I think people should like keep more of an open mind, I will say. Like sometimes I'll even, I'll see a dress and I'm like, I don't love it. But then I learn of the story and the inspiration and then I see how they pulled that off. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Like, okay, I actually do like that. Don't just look at it and make an assumption right away. I would say sit with it, you know? Maybe you'll love it tomorrow. Um, I think that's something. People are so polarizing or polarized by their opinions. And Mm. I try not to be. I try to give, I try to see the beauty and maybe something that isn't. I know authenticity is something that's very important to you. I mean, you certainly are authentic. I think part of maybe why I think the red carpet started going downhill a little bit, you know, in the past was because celebrities were relying so much on stylists mm-hmm. that they kind of lost their own uh, personal voices and they were mm. just relying on someone else to tell them what they should be wearing. Mm-hmm. You know, not to sit, not, you know, I think stylists are wonderful and, you know, thank God for stylists too, because they <laughs> do a heck of a lot of running around and, and research and they, they, for the most part, have incredible eyes. But mm-hmm. uh, what do you think, you know, stylists, are they good or bad yeah. for Hollywood celebrities? Well, I think they're, you know, now it's all, I mean, I do so many stories between celebrities and their stylists, and it really is now a true collaboration. Like, I think in the past, stylists had a lot, it was like their way or the highway, whereas now um, they're really just serving as a vessel for what the client wants. And it's really like this beautiful collaboration. And I will say there's also this big trend of celebrities forgoing stylists now. You know, I, I think of stars like Timothy Chalamet, Bella Hadid, they actually don't have stylists. They dress themselves, which is very incredible to see them 
take the reins and they collaborate directly with fashion houses. And I think that's cool. It's like this idea of individuality is coming back again. And mm. I really love that. How about the role of fashion um, in our lives, just in general? Uh, obviously, you know, you believe it's it's an important uh, tool for personal expression mm. and, and power and all that. But um, I don't know, do you think sometimes uh, we care too much about it? That it, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it intimidates some people and it... Uh, it becomes mm. uh, all-consuming? Uh, well, people definitely take it too seriously, I would say, like way too seriously. You know, these ideas of like rules and trends and you have to abide by the trend. Like I'm very much over that. I don't, you know, I think you should wear what you like, wear what sparks you joy. Like just put the fun in fashion again. You know, I think again, like in the past, I don't know if it was a pandemic thing, but you know, in the past five years, like we really did put a lot of emphasis on, wearing the biggest trend of the moment and if you're if you're wearing that bag from two seasons ago you're not stylish and it's just I'm so over that like just wear what you want you know mm -hmm. what about the uh celebrity um designers I mean I come mm. from a an era where the designers were you know really celebrated like they were they were the new rock stars and we've lost so many incredible mm. designers and so many uh, designers that you know, that left us way too soon. How do you feel about, uh, you know, who, who's carrying the torches uh, these days into the future? Yeah, I think, I think there is this new wave of like rock star designers. Um, you know, they may not be as big as personalities as say like a Karl Lagerfeld, who is obviously amazing. Um, but I do think there's like, designers are having these crazy cult followings again. And like, I think of someone like Mary-Kate and Ashley with The Row, you know, they were obviously celebrities before they launched their line, but now, you know, their clothes are so subtle. Like it's just a black sweater and a black trouser, but people go insane for them and will spend $5,000 on a sweater. I think that's like a form of rock star right there is having people be so crazed for your pieces. So I think it's still very much alive. Um, this idea of almost like their your religion or something, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like just all consumed. I love it. And what about the whole question of sustainability? That is such a a huge conversation in fashion right now, and people talking about just how much fashion has polluted the planet. And uh, you know, boy, we have to do something about it. And great mm -hmm. concepts like circular fashion have come into play. Uh, mm -hmm. Where do you see? Uh, that whole thing going in the, the coming years ahead, Christian? Yeah, well, it's definitely a big, big conversation that every designer is thinking about now. Um, I think when I think of sustainability, not to shout out Indigenous culture, but I do think the people doing it the best are Indigenous designers because we've always, always been doing this. <laughs> um, you know, no matter what the brand is, like it could be a streetwear brand, it could be a couture brand every indigenous designer is practicing sustainability, whether that's upcycling materials or if they're using a fur, they're using every part of the animal and not wasting an inch of it. Or, you know, maybe they're using a recycled fabric from a collection they did two seasons ago. Um, I love that it's just always inherent in their designs. And now we're seeing all designers, not just indigenous doing this as well. And I think that's really, it should be a must now. I think if you're really going to be producing a clothing line, you need to think of a way to eliminate waste as much as you can. If you're a small brand, just make that, you know, 
using recycled fabrics as much as you can, like just make that bit of effort. Um, and I think most of them are now, which is really, it's a great change to see because you mm. think again, five years ago, it wasn't even like a talking point. <laughs> so the fact that we're just, it's on people's radars is a win in itself, I would say. Do you think um, fashion has become kinder in recent years? Now, you know, I mean, mm. when I first dove into those waters, there was uh, a lot of, I mean, there were a lot of great people in fashion for sure. And you, you know, it's, it's not nice maybe to generalize about the whole scene, but mm -hmm. it could be a bit of a snake pit. I mean, there were a lot mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, I mean, uh, a lot of uh, big egos in that particular business, I think, in that particular arena. And um, mm -hmm. a lot of um, competition, a lot of cutthroat practices perhaps uh, yeah a lot of insincerity in mm -hmm. in a world that is so um consumed with image mm -hmm. so a lot of superficiality I mean I don't want to go on and on about the negatives of the fashion world because <laughs> I absolutely adore the fashion world I think we all have a love-hate relationship with it perhaps but but do you think that, that a kinder kind of sensibility has crept into the fray yeah I think so I think you know just the times have changed right so like all these topics of diversity, inclusivity um, are kind of at the forefront of every industry, but especially fashion. And I think that in turn has created a kinder industry, you know, where we can, let's say it's cast, you're, let's say you're casting for a show and the models you're looking at, you know, I know that's been a particularly toxic environment in the past, um, you know, someone can't fit into the jeans at the fittings and you fire them and you say, you know, you're too big. Like that's for sure been a thing. And now, you know, we're seeing models of all shapes, sizes, ages um, be considered for major runway shows. And, um, and I think that shift has created a much kinder industry. Um, and it, not saying it's perfect. I think we still have a lot of work to do in that realm, um, but it's definitely kinder now and i think it'll only continue to get better i think well with with people like you and the, the the position that you're in at the particular uh organization that you're with right now i i certainly am a void i mean i'm very optimistic about uh about fashion's <laughs> future which is really nice because there for a while there i was like hmm, where is mm -hmm. this thing going i mean what you know mm -hmm. is there any hope for the future and then and then you come along uh it, it's really quite uh quite elevating so like your mom has said to you, you know, you, uh -huh. you have something in mind and you're going to go for it. You know, you keep your uh -huh. eye on the prize. You have incredible passion and determination. What, uh, where would you like to, to, it's hard to say where you'd like to end up because hopefully <laughs> keep going and going and never end up anywhere, but what perhaps is the next uh, crest uh, that you'd like to conquer? Mm. It's, yeah, I, don't, I, I just really want to keep doing storytelling. Um, I guess it would just be kind of um, maybe opening my eyes to different ways of doing that. Uh, you know, maybe I definitely want to do another book. Um, I don't think I'm done with books yet. And I think would love to do a book just on Indigenous fashion and the contemporary designers working today. I think that's a much needed book that I'm shocked doesn't exist yet. Um, so would love to do that. But just opening my eyes to maybe, I don't know, video, maybe fiction. Um, I, I don't keep any door closed. I just really want to keep telling stories. Um, indigenous people are just storytellers at heart in general. So I don't really care in which way I do it. Um, I guess I just am a writer. So 
I just want to keep writing. People ask me my five-year plan. I'm like, I don't know. I just want to write. <laughs> yeah. Well, how, again, yeah. like how great that you found something that you're so passionate about mm-hmm. that you can, you know, just keep getting better and better and, and better at. How do you suppose that the values that you were raised with mm. contribute to what you do today and the way you do it? Well, my mom is like a really good listener. Like people always come to her to vent and to like, she's just a really good listener. And so I feel like she, I got that from her is, you know, when I'm interviewing someone or meeting someone, I really want to hear their story and I really want to get to know the full picture. So I think that's definitely helped me just be a better writer. And I also think just this, this concept of, like you said, be kind, like that's probably the biggest lesson both my parents have taught me and um, just not, not putting yourself above everyone. And like, you know, sometimes I'll meet a designer who has like a hundred followers and maybe an elitist person would be like, oh, well, they're not worth covering, but I know that they have an interesting story. And so just being open and kind and hearing their story, um, I think that also has helped me find really cool people. I don't know, be kind and listen. I know you're a very fearless person. We started, you know, I started commenting on that. I think you must be, uh, just in order to have risen to uh, through the yeah. ranks the way you have, and in order to have gone for it, in order to uh, to have a voice that uh, you know is is as pure as yours is. But what mm-hmm. scares you, Chris? What what really scares you? I think one thing that always scares me is running out of ideas. Um, that's something I'm always like looming over my head. Is like oh God, what if I don't have something to write about next week? Like, what if I, you know, I don't ever want to be in a rut or like, but then I never am. I feel like I always have too much to do. So I don't know. I, what scares me also is spiders. And I will only <laughs> say that because I see a big cobweb in the corner of my eye. And I'm like, I hope there's not a spider right now. So that's another fear. <laughs> And, uh, and, and, and ultimately your, you know, your biggest joy, is it just, is it writing? Is it the written word or is it just the act of communication? I think my biggest joy is, um, probably conversation. Um, I think of my favorite part of the job and that's meeting people, um, people I never would have met otherwise. And so through writing, I get to literally get paid to like talk with people and like Mm -hmm. chat for a bit and I think that's the coolest job ever and so I just hope that I never stop doing that it's just like I think that's how you open up yourself up as a person is just meeting different backgrounds different stories um that's what really gets me going so that's my biggest joy I would say well, um, you've certainly provided me with great joy uh, today, t- this conversation with you. So, uh, so inspiring. You're such a bright light, Chris, and uh, I-, I wish you continued success. You. We will be listening for your stories. Thanks for being on this episode of Beyond Style Matters, Christian Allaire. Thanks for listening. New episodes of podcasts will be coming at you every other Monday. You can watch Style Matters Thursday on TSC or online at the tsc.ca website. Till next time, I'm Jeannie Becker.